One, two, ten. Welcome to the Claim the Throne Blodgecast, coming on you with insights into what it's really like to be in a do-it-yourself metal band in 2014. Who is it? Welcome, suckers, to the Claim of Throne Blodgy. Once again, this is the Podge, the Blodge, the Dirty Dodge. I am Ash. I'm Cabba, and this is definitely the place to be. You've made the right decision by tuning in today. It's going to be a cracker. Uh, this week, we have a very good friend, uh, Amos Polglaze, otherwise known as Amos Polglazi. Uh, <laughs> he is a big fan of ours, and he's got heaps to say about what he finds interesting and intriguing about local and international bands and what makes him go down to shows and buy merch and all that sort of stuff. Had a really good time chatting with him and I think um, from a band marketing and music marketing perspective, it's extremely important to understand your fans, what drives them to make certain decisions um, and yeah, it's really interesting I think um, in this chat in that you know we've, we discuss just how much of a big impact Amosi Poglazi does play uh, with Claim the Throne and if we could get a lot more of Amos Poglazers in the house then we'd be very successful. Um, so by understanding him, we're going to take all of his feedback on board and hopefully, um, yeah, improve ourselves and find more people just like him. Welcome to the Blodge Class. Another interview this year. Very excited to be here again. I'm Cabba and I'm with my pal Ash and we are chatting to a bloke called Amos Poglaze, a fellow who is really nice from Perth, comes to all our gigs, buys lots of stuff and we thought it would be a great idea to chat to him just about who he is and how we get more people like him in the hood. How are you going today, Amos? I'm good, yeah. That's good to hear. You look really nice today. Why, thank you. Well groomed. It is a bit hot and the power is actually out at the moment. So we've got no power for ceiling fans, air cons, and we've got just a bit of battery on this laptop. That was a question, by the way. What's your answer? <laughs> I got no answer to that, man. I've been outside sweating balls, so, uh, you know. <laughs> it wasn't a real question. I was just taking the piss. How are you today, Ash? Pretty good, Cabba. Stressing about this laptop a little bit, drinking a beer. How are you today, Cabba? Question number one, how's Cabba? Really good. I've been in the pool all day and playing air hockey and drinking a lot of shots of Jägermeister. So you may hear my voice a lot more than other people over the next hour, so enjoy. But um, no, it's a real honor to be here with Amos today. He's been a big supporter of Claim the Throne over the years. Um, and so, yeah, we really do appreciate having fans like that. Yeah, try to make the most of it. And yeah, just the idea today is to to work out, you know, why the fuck he even likes our band and how we can get other people to like our band. And I think it's just a, something good for other other bands out and musicians out there to think about what actually, you know, what do people think about you from, you know, a fan's perspective as opposed to your perspective or, you know, other musicians' perspective. Think about it from a fan's point of view. Um, so, yeah. So the, the first thing I was even thinking about was that, Amos, you've spent, I've done some math, $429.53 on Claim the Throne merch since July 2011. So that's... Fuck, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. And the way we like to think about that, if we had 100 fans like you, we would have made over 40 grand in merch in the last two years. So what we want to do today is find out how to get more Amos Poglazers as fans, finding out what drives you to treat us as nicely as you do. So to start that, do you remember the first time you heard Claim the Throne? Uh, yeah, the first time I saw you guys with uh, supporting Aelstorm on your first tour. Ah. And... Uh, yeah, it was just a fucking amazing show. I, I went there not knowing who who the fuck you were. In fact, I remember having a chat with someone like, who the support band? And they're like, oh, I don't know, claim the fucking something. I'm like, oh, they sound gay. So, uh, you know, I kind of didn't give a shit. And then I was watching you guys play and uh, I was watching it. And I was fucking really getting into it. And I saw and Jim was up on stage 
sweating like fucking crazy and stole my beer from me. (laughs) (laughs) Afterwards, I had a chat and he was really apologetic and gave me a free hat and, you know, so just kind of, it was was just a good band. Like, it was cool to see a band that had such energy. So, you know, yeah. So first time was a Ailstorm. Yeah. But did you used to go to local shows before that? Never went to local shows before that. Never listened to music. As strange as it sounds, when I started listening to you guys, it was probably the heaviest music I listened to as well. Like I was listening to at the time more like uh, Megadeth, Judas Priest. And when I listened to heavier stuff, it was like your symphonic stuff. So like Nightwish and Elevute and stuff like that. So even when I listened to you guys, like I considered you guys pretty fucking heavy. And uh, then I started listening to you guys and started listening to... I mean, it wasn't until I saw you guys the second time actually at Ail- the next Ailstorm gig that I actually started going to local gigs because I was like, fuck it, I want to see these guys again. Yeah, that's where that all started. Sweet as. So what interests me there is that um, we've got a fan from playing a support show with an international touring band. So, And one of the biggest challenges, sometimes you, you might be lucky enough to get a support slot uh, with a big touring band and you play to a massive crowd and you're like, look at all these people here. How do we get these people to local shows? From there, Amos, did you sort of, you, you watched us play and obviously dug in and thought we were funny and, and you know, yeah, enjoyed so having your beer stolen by band members. Very much. So did you, from there, I guess, did you listen out for when we were playing next or did we tell you or what happened from there? I think it was... Uh from recollection, I think I had a chat with one of you guys, probably you, Cabber, about like when you were playing next and decided to go and see a couple more after that. That's my, That was Mike as well, so we decided we'd start going to see you guys. I think at one point we ended up having a tally of who had seen you guys more often, and we ended up pretty even for the most part. You know, he got to see you at Bastard Fest back then, but I, you know, passed out because I had work the next day, so, and we ended up around there. But yeah, we kept pushing each other to see you guys, and then as we were seeing you guys, we were seeing other good bands play with you guys, and you know, as we saw other good bands, you know, you were playing with play bands like Cold Fade. You know, we saw them play, we'd go see them again. You know, and then when you'd go there to gigs, you'd see other people handing out flyers and you'd be like, fuck it, why not give it a whirl? From there, you st- we started listening to bands like Malignant Monster and, you know, fucking great bands. Like, it, it was kind of cool to see this world unfold, just how strong the Perth metal scene was. So, you know, from there, it just kind of got exciting to get into something new and just hear all this cool shit constantly coming out it was also kind of exciting to like know that you've they're this band that you fucking love to listen to and yet they're just so close you know you've got the opportunity to see them every month or so instead of having to wait two or three years until you see them again and that was kind of cool so did you used to go to many international shows before i used to go to plenty of uh international gigs once again they were generally weren't as uh they were a bit more like it's still metal but a bit more mainstream metal so you know once again like i was going to see like you know megadeth and that kind of shit and that was fucking great but when i went and saw ailstone probably a really small gig at the time because i was used to going like really big stuff and that was also one thing i love about the metal scene like those tiny little intimate gigs are really fucking fun the mosh pits are insane and you always walk out bruised and battered and not knowing mm-hmm. how the hell it happened to you but you know it's great you don't get that at the bigger shows it's always just people clamoring to try and get to the front yeah you know well, we find right. that, well, I find that definitely as well going to bigger shows and of course the ticket price and everything. Yeah, and, it's getting insane. And a lot of the support bands, I find anyway, when, when you do get a touring act, they're often not from your hometown. So it is hard to, mm. you know, you might get the opener, but at a big show, you might be lining up and miss the opener. So, Well, you're also getting stupid shit these days, which I think is ridiculous, where you people are voting to have a band support another band, which is great and all. Like, it's good to see a band get out there, but sometimes you end up with a band that just doesn't match the gig you're going to. Like, uh, it was the, the best example of that is I went to see Misfits about two years ago. They're coming again too, and, right? Yeah, that's, that's going to be a great gig. And Chainsaw Hooker supported them, which, you know, fucking perfect. And then Reaper's Riddle supported that. And I don't get me wrong, I think Reaper's Riddle are a great band, but for that lineup, it was just kind of off. 
you know, there were so many, there were different other bands from Perth you'd rather see fill that spot because it would just mesh better. You know, you want to see a bit more as well. Like, that's the problem with your bigger band gigs as well. Like, you get support acts that don't fit. Same as when I went and saw the police and I had to sit through fucking Fergie. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's stupid. It's an interesting point there, man, because there's a lot of that sort of stuff going on at the moment, even with, um, you know, pay to plays, like bands having to sell their own tickets or buy-ons and that sort of thing. Um, but, I mean, if you saw something where there are bands that you need to, you know, you, you the promoter decides that, you know, the way we're going to choose this support slot is by having people vote for who they want to play, would you vote for that if you saw that on Facebook or wherever it well, would be? Well, I've done that. I mean, I think that's how – wasn't that how you guys got the uh – the cradle the one. Cradle we one, were actually yeah. lucky that we got that support slot, and then there was a vote for the opening uh, band. Because I remember, because I remember you played, and I remember voting for someone. But <laughs> shit, that was a while ago. Yeah, it wouldn't so. have been us. But we, yeah, I was voting for bands as well. And then luckily for that one, I think it was Advent Sorrow, and that was yeah, a really, that really out. suitable Once spot again, slot. Like it is a good theory because it does get your lesser known bands sometimes that time to play. But you've got to you got to match it better sometimes. You know, there's no point in going to see you know something crazy and heavy and fast and loud and then matching it up with something that's just kind of soft and slow and you know whether it's good or not you don't want to chill out you know for the support act you want a support act that's going to get you really fucking going totally so are you i mean it being that facebook is quite a big thing these days with you know even finding out about new bands or the local scene and that sort of thing if you um i don't know see sort of adverts from bands that you haven't heard of before are you willing to check them out do you think that's a good way for bands to try and get themselves out there or do you prefer to see them on the stage first or how do you like to find out about these bands uh, it's a bit of both like i find some of the bands i've listened to you know i've listened because i've just seen them pop up in my news feed and it's just you've at the time, you just feel like checking them out, but also sometimes when you're, you know, you're just scrolling through Facebook, you just can't be fucked. So it's 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 a bit of both, really. I get into, but you can get into some bands from really weird ways. Like the shirt I'm wearing right now is a band called Blackmore, and they're a Canadian band, like kind of thrashy, and they're a pretty local band for their scene. But they were actually lucky enough to get put on a really obscure Canadian TV show called Todd and the Book of Fear Evil that I got like really into. And one of their songs started playing. And as soon as I heard one of their songs, I was like, holy shit, I got to check these guys out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of the things like, you, I think you just find that kind of shit in the weirdest ways sometimes. It's just, I'm the kind of person that I generally go into what falls in my lap. I don't really hunt stuff out too much. I just kind of let it happen. So in that, and you've mentioned that you, I mean, you've been to a police show and all sorts of like, Chainsaw Hookers, like all different variety of genres. You're not too particular when it comes to that? Like if you like it, you like it? Like I just like a good gig. I mean, I've been to all sorts of weird fucking gigs, you know, because why the fuck not? Like you just want to see what that energy is. The same reason you'd go to a different country to go and see a gig as well is because you want to see what that one's like. I mean, I'm planning my trip right now to go to Hammersonic purely because, you know, I've heard the stories and I just want to see what Jakarta's energy is like. And the same style, like if it, even with your different styles of music, if the band could put in a good show, it's still going to be fun regardless. Basically, I just like to see a band that will actually put their heart and soul into it. I mean, that's part of the reason I got into you guys in the first place, because you got up there, you had a really fucking good time. And, you know, you didn't take, you've never taken things too seriously, I don't think, but you've always, you know, at least been professional, had a good time. Gone are the days when you used to do the beer bong and stuff, which was really fun. And I regret to say I never actually got one. But really? <laughs> no, I never I'm got surprised. one. I'm surprised. Somehow. 
You've been forced to scull your own drink, right? Yes. And, Which um, is very similar. I've had his drinks tipped all over me as well. <laughs> hey, man, I'll tell you what. Every time I ever did a funnel, I got it tipped all over me. No one can funnel a drummer while they're drumming successfully. I've maybe I've, had two I've, that I've worked. noticed there's a couple of people in your band that actually kind of suck at doing funnels. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Jessie's not the best. She's keen, though. What, well, I wasn't going to name names. She doesn't drink yeah. beer in real life, but she will if it's presented on stage in a funnel. Yeah, fair so, enough. It works out. On that, um, I mean, yeah, obviously with our stage show, we do drink a lot of booze and uh, yeah, you know, clink glasses with people in the in the crowd and share drinks. Or when we say share, we mean steal people's drinks from the from the front row. Do you have you found that as an entertaining thing over the years, or at times do you think that people in the crowd would be like, "What are these guys doing?" Because we always wonder, you know, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing that we're doing that? I mean, do some people like it? Some people hate it. I guess it's hard to say. I mean, I always thought it was kind of fun because I was saying it ashes down like. To me, it kind of shows that while you're professional and you have, you know, you're, you're doing a good gig, you're up there to have a good time and just enjoy yourself. It also helps that you've got a fairly strong fan base in Perth, though, so no one's going to get too offended by that. I mean, I've seen people do much weirder shit. I mean, there's a <laughs> there's a local band by the name of Scalp Hunter, and their front man is a man by the name of Stephen Noth. And what he'll do when he plays certain songs is he'll just he's a big fucking English man. And he'll walk up to people in the front of the crowd and just grab them by the scruff of their neck and just pull them close and just start screaming in their face. And the first time I ever saw them, he did that to me. And I think some people, if they saw that, they'd be like, holy fucking shit, I'm the fuck out of here, I'm leaving. But me, that happened to me. I was like, holy shit, that's awesome. I'm going to see these guys again. But you're up the front, right? Yeah. So is it almost like a preconceived thing where if you're up the front, you're willing to have beer poured on your head and be pulled in for a yelling match or possibly a funnel or something? Well, I mean, I think if you go to a metal gig, you should expect, where, no matter where you stand, you should expect shit to just kind of get weird. I mean, that's kind of the fun of it. Metal or punk or anything like that, it's all about the energy and just kind of letting loose. And same as when you see King Parrot. Uh, they scared the shit out of Mikey's girlfriend. You know, she went to go to the bathroom and they wouldn't actually let her. They were just kind of fucking yelling in her face. Good like that. Whereas she was like, I kind of want to go. Whereas me and Mikey were just like, that's fucking awesome. So it really depends on the person. I think even if you expect that to happen, it still can be very confronting, especially when you're very new to the scene. So it's kind of hard to say like that. Like people that have seen it a lot, they'll just think it's awesome. But people that are very new to the scene might just find it really confronting and it might freak them out. So it's hard to say. This next one, sorry, Cabra, is a two-part question. Uh, one, do you like any bands or have you found yourself enjoying the live show of bands that maybe aren't so uh, volatile on stage or or uh, gimmicky or kitschy um, or anything? Do you mean local or just in uh, general? Just in or? general, yeah. Well, like, uh, one of my, the, I'll actually say like one of the best artists I've ever seen live is actually Sting. And he's definitely not volatile or gimmicky or anything. He'll just get up on stage and But he's sing. pretty active though, right? Well, he tells he's... a few stories, but okay. you know, like I guess compared to what I'm used to seeing, like the big mm-hmm. punk shows you used to seeing, like he's pretty laid back and chilled out. But I still think you've got to have some kind of presence. Yeah, you know? okay, sure. Um and then the second part would be do any of these bands that do have a really intense stage presence, um, are you ever let down by CDs that you get of the band? Or hey Bumble, how you going? Um, okay, piss off. Like, um, like, does recording quality or vibe or something is it ever lacking, or do you remember the occasion that you saw them on stage and it kind of translates that way? A bit of both. I mean, there are a couple of. Uh, I think you get that issue bigger with. Uh, I've, I've found with local bands, there's a few bands that like you know they kind of rushed through their uh, recordings of it, and you can kind of. Oh well, yeah, your first album was a pretty good example of that. I reckon. Like, I loved that album. The songs were great. I wasn't on that. But the. Uh, you know, like I wasn't on that. <laughs> yeah, but it, 
Um, and there's a few bands out there, like you don't want to name names, but there are some out there that you know I fucking love seeing them live, and I'll listen to their music outside. But every time I listen to them, it's like mm, it's all right. You know, and it's not because it's bad music; it's just because the recording is not as good, or it just hasn't captured that real essence of them. You know. So yeah, you're right saying that. The production on the first Claim of Throne album isn't the best, to say the least. Is the vibe there on it, even though some of the stuff is a little bit off or whatever? Or yeah, I'd say the vibe's definitely there. I mean, it's different. I mean, you guys. I mean, it's it's from what you've got with like. Uh, latest album to your first album like there is a huge fucking difference well there's still that definitely like claim the throne appeal to it you know it's the real folky kind of weird songs that sometimes don't quite make sense but you know pretty good i mean because the first album of course was to do with the book and some of the names that come up with those and the stories of that are just they're fucking weird But it's kind of an appeal to it as well. Like, it's kind of fun and just different. And do you want to hear any of that stuff live? Like, do you listen yeah, out I've for things like that? Yeah, I've always said that I want to hear... Uh, I used to always go Please on about one of them. The stars. I, I don't remember which one it is right now, actually. Because we um, used to do words... Well, since I've joined the band and, and the first album has not been... You know, the band has more material now to choose from. The last one we were playing was Words of the Great Oak. Yeah, Words of the Great Oak is a good one. Which was, is um, trouble because a lot of those earlier songs are, are pretty long. So if you've got yeah. half an hour, 40 minutes set, it makes it a bit difficult. Yeah, there's one that I used to always actually ask Cabot to play and I still want to hear it live. But the funny thing is, for the, right now, for the life of me... I'm doing the, the stars because a lot of people ask us to play that. And we're like, well, maybe one day, but it's a bit hard with a half an hour set. Oh, Ash that wants one? to play it. Hunting the Stars, the first yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, that's actually what it is. Yeah, yeah Hunting yeah. the Stars. But it is. It's a fucking long song. Like, it is, yeah. You'd have to... Not too bad. We could play it a bit quicker, maybe... But it's a, what I like about hmm. that song is it kind of like it jumps up and down like you've got your really good fun like your heavy parts in well not heavy but your heavier parts in it and then it just kind of stops and slows down and beautiful melody to it and then it just jumps back up again. The one I've always missed about you playing live actually is Two Pints of Honey. I always want to hear the acoustic version. <laughs> but, you, you know, I've We know you, uh, though. You're always keen on the acoustic stuff and the stuff with more chick vocals. Uh, we know you too well. Yes, they're good vocals, man. Yeah. And, I mean, we've we've been known to do a couple acoustic gigs. Did you go to those ones? That was the one where I got beer poured on my head. At an acoustic show. Yeah, man. Fuck yeah, You were fucking drunk as hell at that gig. That's because there was like a bottle of Jaeger on stage plus the rider and stuff. And every every time I wasn't doing anything, there was... A shot of Jaeger sitting yeah, on Yeah, when my you were pulling rack. out your uh, you're pulling out your songs from hats, and I pulled out like <laughs> I think I had to pull out five different ones That's before right. I actually got a song. Though, and it wasn't just somehow mentioned to myself, which was kind of fucking weird. I forgot that <laughs> our set list was not written; it was just all the songs cut up in a hat, and we had to pluck them out. I believe we should I do that at most out shows. Something like Amos to the Mad Ruder, and then oh. I also pulled out something along the lines of Amos to the Shit Count. And, so, oh. you know. and see, and that's interesting. That was something else we wanted. To chat about today was you know we are appreciative of our fans so we try and chat to people as much as we can but that being said we are smart asses sometimes and we do tend to take the piss a bit and we might do that by you know seeing people in the front row and we include their their names in the songs you know in the lyrics as we're singing them we change the lyrics to put people's names in or you know we see you at the merch stand and we're a bit trashed and you know we're smart asses or we put your name in a hat and say Amos is a poor cunt or something. Yeah, exactly. As a fan, do you do you like that? Does that make you feel like you are sort of more involved in with us, or does that do? Or does it feel like we're giving you shit? I guess, and is that a bad thing? So no, I've always liked it know. because even before, like, I was a huge fan of your guys. You know, the first few times I saw you, you were even doing it back then. I remember you used to, you know, bring up say like Aaron McWhorter and stuff like that all the time. You know, and I think you just switched over now. <laughs> but even then, like, I thought it was kind of cool, like, because it means that you know you're appreciative of your fans and you know. 
you know they're there. The only time I've ever found it kind of weird is when you got uh, Chris Bowles from Ailstorm to do it in the middle of his song. <laughs> because of all of us, were me and Mikey and Tibbs, you would all just stand there going, shit, did that just happen? When you're playing a show and, you know, I'm always sitting up the back and all that stuff, people say, oh, faceless people in the crowd, like you don't know who it is. And some bands are, hello, Perth, how are you going? It's like, we can see everyone. I think I know exactly who you're we, we can <laughs> We can spot people in the crowd and that's yeah. part of it. Like if your name, well, your name, because it'd be different because you've got a good sense of humour about it and all that stuff. But if someone's name rhymes with the lyric of the song, they're in the song. Yeah, that's just how enough. it works. And we see people that we know, and I don't know if you notice this kind of stuff, but I'll have drummer friends in the crowd. Benny Ballbag's been one of them from Entrails, and yeah. he'll give me a signal, do this, and then I'll just play a certain drum fill or kick up the speed of the double kicks or I've never slow noticed that, but down. I'm definitely well, going to be looking out now. We kind of like the ultimate crowd interaction because you're doing it on the spot, and it makes everyone in the crowd either laughing or being confused or making someone else in the band laugh, and it's just everyone always seems to be pretty happy at the shows, and it's good to just take the piss out of each other and our fans <laughs> which sometimes might backfire but on top of that as well like you don't just uh, it's not just like mentioning people's names or like doing that kind of shit but like I always found appealing how you guys would just kind of stop in the middle of a gig sometimes in mid-song and just start <laughs> chatting and shooting the shit on stage and I know like I've seen it like you see new fans and they're just standing there going fuck is going on apparently during uh I got told that during Moon Sorrow your support you stopped mid-song and were asking for me and apparently you got a lot of you know you newer crowd standing there going who the fuck is Amos and why aren't they playing and we do have a lot of in-jokes and that's the thing is like sometimes we might yeah just be retards mainly at Perth shows you know if it's local stuff we feel like we're you know, we feel a bit more comfortable at local shows because, you know, we're just, you know, local fans ourselves. We go to local gigs and, you know, check out bands and everything. And so we know everyone there. Sometimes we might play a support slot like that where there are new people coming to check us out and we're making the same old in-jokes that no one understands and might stop mid-song and make a joke about a person in particular. And then we sort of look out to the crowd to for everyone to acknowledge what we said and everyone's like cross-armed, like, what is going on here? And now people, even with the Blodgecast, know that you exist. <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of things we say on this are just, Cameron and I have had a few beers at you know, the house. and I shit you not, actually. I was, I was, this was about a year ago or so, and I'm walking down the street and I'm wearing a Claim the Throw shirt, which I often am, and I get this... Uh, this these people like whispering in the traffic lights. These were in the middle of the city and they were clearly metalheads as well. And they're just like whispering up like, uh, hey, how you doing? <laughs> and as I'm walking off, like I'd actually overhear him like, is that guy wearing a clean throw shirt? And, yeah, yeah, he is. Is that Amos Poglis? I was like, <laughs> and really? I was just, I shit you know, I'm just like, the fuck just happened? It was, <laughs> dude, that was fucking weird. <laughs> has it helped with the women? I don't think it has. Oh, come on. <laughs> you know? When do you plan on losing your virginity? Sometime soon, do you hope? Oh, I'm waiting for you, Cabo. <laughs> Probably today. <laughs> it will be a dual virgin off. Oh, shit. Big, big three banger happening over here. <laughs> All right, it's probably time for a topic change on that that note. But um, <laughs> all right, uh, Amos, it's Cabot from Claim the Throne here. I just wanted to ask you a question, if that's all right. Uh, that's fine. Sweet. Um, I guess I wanted to know, in terms of local gigs, if you go to, um, yeah, just check out a, a bunch of local bands, what would prompt you to buy their merch? If you didn't have any plans, you just went out to check out some bands, saw them all playing, and then on your way out, there was the merch desk there. And um, yeah, there's, there's some people manning the merch desk. There's some shirts up. There's some CDs for sale. Would you be inclined to buy things from you know the bands that you thought were really impressive live or would you be willing to sort of you know chat to people around the merch desk and speak to the actual band members and then buy things purely to support them even if you didn't like their band 
bit of both. I mean, some bands I see and, you know, they're not my style, but I do think they've, you know, got what it takes and I'm more than happy to, you know, go and buy a CD or whatever just to kind of get them going. Like, I'm happy to support bands like that. Having said that, if I see a band that will, you know, plays a gig and they just, they're just ridiculously good and I get into it, as soon as they're finished, I'll head to their merch desk and I'll buy something and I'll try and chat to the band because I always also like to, you know, if I if I think a band's good, I'm more than happy to stick around and actually tell that band they're good because I guess sometimes you got to hear it as well. I mean, I feel like sometimes you guys be playing and you, you half time you're sitting there going, was it a good gig? Was it a bad gig? I don't know. If you really appreciate watching someone, you should be able to go up to there and, you know, let them know. And whether you're giving them money or not, like I think support comes in, you know, just letting them know that they're playing well and keep doing it as well i know personally i mean if we're behind the merch desk after we've already played we love to hear any feedback whether it's positive or negative and whether people buy things or not if they just come up and say hi and shake a hand and you know if they say you know you guys were really good but you could have done this next time or whatever that's like wicked for us to hear so i think um if there's any sort of music fans out there listening you should um yeah definitely let the bands know what they what you you know your opinion was regardless and whether you're gonna buy anything or not i think people appreciate it and if if they don't then get off there and suck me off <laughs> pretty much but um do you remember i don't know any particular times of, of any local bands when you've found people particularly grateful to get feedback from you because you're the sort of person that would go up and say something to bands you know if you thought whether they were good or bad i don't know if you if you know any times people have have said you know thanks so much have a free cd or thanks so much you know next time you come we'll put you on the door has anything like that happened before with like, Man, local I don't think shows? i've been put on the door but i've had, i mean people have been quite appreciative i mean like i was chatting to say uh vin from tempest uh, rising tempest rising that's it and you know and, you know, he was pretty happy to hear, you know, like, because I was really impressed with those guys playing because I thought it was really cool to see a band that's got that real new metal sound, you know, coming back. So he was really appreciative to hear that. And, like, to me, it's kind of good also to hear, like, if you go and tell a band they're good and if they're happy to hear it, it's, you feel like you're actually doing it for a reason as well. Because I've also gone and, so you know, seen certain bands and have said, you know, yeah, I thought the gig was good, you played well. And sometimes from certain bands, you just get the response of basically, yeah, I know. And as soon as you say it to me, it's like, I couldn't give a shit then. Go fuck yourself. Yes, I was going to ask you that, actually. Have you ever, yeah, had a strange reaction that's turned you off further approaching him, seeing him again, or buying merch or anything like, like there's that? A, there's, there's a couple of bands in, in Perth that I like their music, and I'll probably buy their music, and I'll probably still go and li- see them live, but I'm less likely to chat to them because I just find there's a few of them that are out there that are quite arrogant. You know, they're a bit too big for their boots. They think they're fucking, you know, big enough to sell the Apollo, but... You know, they're barely selling out Amplifier. But they ain't James Brown. Exactly. And, you know, that's always sucks. Like, if I like the music, I generally try and keep, you know, music and personalities different as well. You know, there are certainly plenty of big acts like that as well. I mean, like, I like listening to Marilyn Manson's music, but he's a complete tosser. You know, I wouldn't want to hang out with the guy. And there's a few people in Perth about a bit like that. You know, they got good music, but I'm not going to chat to them after the gig, you know, because, for one, they don't give a shit. Yeah. And that kind of sucks as a fan as well. Like, you want to be, you know, appreciated, you know, because after all, like, at the risk of sounding, like, selfish and douchey, like, you know, we're the ones out there giving you the money, you know, we're the ones, you know, helping you with that energy. You're not going to play to a crowd of two people. It, it, it'll be shit. That's what I mean about the nameless faces or faceless 
people or whatever it's like it's really not like that especially on the local scene when we play a bigger show say like a um brisbane show to five or six hundred people and you just look or even in the uk when we've had it's just a sea of people out there and you don't recognize a single person if you look at them like they are just a number or something like that it doesn't really help you either Mm. because it's almost like you're playing to no one but if people are interacting and you can see they're enjoying it then you know it's like a give and take thing even your international bands as well like i I used to write a few like uh review and stuff for fast loud and stuff and the one thing i used to always mention was like with front men or even guitarists like the ones that just maintain like good eye contact and with the audience you know and i'm not saying just like staring down the audience but you know basically looking at the audience and acknowledging they're there acknowledging that you know they're making your experience better i mean i saw ramstein play at big day out and i was uh listening to them play and sing along to almost every word even though every word was german i didn't even know what the fuck i was saying <laughs> i just knew what the words were and you know Kurt, the guitarist, was up there and he saw me singing my heart away. And it was, you know, it was simple as just like seeing it, acknowledging it, you know, giving me a smile. And, you know, as a fan, like it lights your fucking heart up. You're just like, that's awesome. It's really cool to be acknowledged. Whereas, you know, you've seen and you get it more with local bands as well, I find, you know, and you'll sing along and some of them just look at you just like, why is that guy singing? Just like, shit, I'm enjoying myself. They're probably closet nerds or something like that and can't believe that you know (laughs) the words are freaked out. Um, we consider you as a unique fan and as someone who's put a lot into the band as well. Yeah, it's over $400 apparently. Yeah, yeah, which is amazing because that probably doesn't take into account the actual merch desk sales. I'm curious about the, well, the 32 cents. Amos <laughs> donated us three cents and this for actually was, yes. was hell for us because um, we'd set up a, a, a tipping section on claimthethrone.net, which is our like article website. And you'd taken a set list from us once when we played live yeah. and someone... Ash made a comment about like you owe us three cents for that bit of paper. Next minute, the next day we've got a donation on our our tip tip tab on the on the website with for three cents paying for that bit of paper, which you know did pull on our heartstrings a lot. But what happened then? We got um, that was the first tip we'd actually got on that that you know experiment, and um, yeah, PayPal got right in touch with us straight away saying you've accepted donation. Please, you know fill in all this paperwork to say that you're a charity or a business or what are you? And, you know, all you need justify to earn this money. We're like, oh, my God, Amos, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> three cents. But, no, we've used that three cents well, and, we, yeah, here we are today. Sorry, on on the go. note of your set list as well, though, that's one thing I do miss. I remember when I was first used to see you go, I used to always, like, nick your set list, and I still do, but... They always used to have weird shit written on them. They were always written in a theme and they were funny as hell. I remember the last time I got a set list like that. They still do happen, but part of the reason behind that is like often Cabba will leave them at home. <laughs> and, and, you know, like Cabba, he does everything for the band pretty much. Well, and Dyson, a huge chunk. But, yeah, we all get to the gig and expect we expect to see a set list too. It's not just you. And yeah. and then they won't be there and we'll get this text handwritten thing that's I've seen a few of those. on the back of a flyer. And, and that's usually the reason for it because none of us in the band has been uh, forward thinking enough to actually do it ourselves. Yeah, he thinks it's funny. He usually does themes, but, yeah, it hasn't, probably hasn't happened in a while. We haven't been playing as much as well. Yeah, that's true. We're about to go on tour and obviously we've, in some way or another spent your money on some flights or um, on more merch to get out to the rest of our fans and stuff like that. Now, obviously, it's it's not just you and we do have other fans, but $413 or whatever is a considerable sum. I mean, do you see yourself as unique as a Claim of Throne fan or even just as a fan of music in general? You seem quite passionate about local shows and local bands as well as international bands. Well, I mean, 
Firstly, I'd like to say I really hope no one in my family hears that I've spent that much on merch of one band. <laughs> hey, over... <laughs> what's that? That's, is that since 2011? That's, well, not, that's too not too bad, bad. Man, yeah. My theory is like all your big bands always came from somewhere and if they didn't come from somewhere local, then they're probably just put together bullshit anyway. So, you know, Motorhead had to play, you know, tiny little bar gigs and sell shirts for $5. So you can't expect, you know, the huge bands to come from just fucking nowhere. You've got to go out there. You've got to find them when they're small. And part of my theory has always been like me and Mike have always said, like, it'll be kind of cool. Like if you guys were to become huge, which I really hope you do. It'll be kind of cool to be that guy to be like, shit, I've got all this stuff from when they first played, you know, from when no one gave a shit. You know, I've got all the shirts, I've got all the set lists, I've got the picks, I've got everything, you know. You know, you can be that old guy there, you know, going, you know, I'm a rock and roll veteran. Yeah. You look like you've got something to say. How many set lists do you think you've taken over the years from Claim the Throne? Claim the Throne. Actually, I went through my set list a while back, actually, and I actually found that I've got basically almost, I put my math at about like 60 40 40 percent of all my set lists i'd say i claim the throne oh so <laughs> what is it like 10 maybe there's a fair few of them i'd probably actually yeah 10 15 what do you do with them are they up on the wall somewhere or do you have a folder i, like, I just have i don't even have a folder i just kind of got like a uh, envelope that's got set lists from heaps of different shows i've gone to and you know, some of them i've got signed i've even got a couple signed from you guys you know back when i first saw you and i was like oh my god yeah. Dawson. and these days it's more like yeah 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 you know? Do you like it when bands sign stuff for you? I mean, do you, I mean, uh, I'm not sure whether you do that now or when you know maybe when you just turned 18, you were into bands signing, you know, CDs. I still or like service. it as well. Like, it? um, I see no point in buying signed shit because I f- kind of defeats the purpose. But you know, if you meet someone you truly respect, whether they're local or not, I'll often get like a signature off them. Like, even say Chainsaw Hookers, I've got a, a signed drumstick from Nathan as well. I mean, you know, right now he's. Just Working playing for lots of, right? Yeah, but you know, I mean, you know, right now, yeah, you're local, and you know, while you know, on the international scheme, people may not give a shit. But once again, like I said before, I mean, how's the cool is it going to be when if you guys do become big, and I'd be like, I got this shit signed from when, the, and it's the same as like if I respect you, maybe I just want you to put your mark on it. Okay, well, we definitely have in the past sent out things signed that weren't necessarily like asked to be signed, and I don't know. Sometimes I think, oh man, my signature is so shit. I don't know why anyone in the world would want to open up a package and then see a scribble yeah but also means you put that little bit of extra effort in there like for example i learned a long time ago if i buy merch from you guys i shouldn't just throw out the envelope i should make sure there's not shit in there as well because there's always something in there and to me it's not just you know a bit of weird over fandom on your behalf but it's also like it's kind of cool to know that the bands are putting in that extra effort whether it's assigning like my brother got your newest album purely because you had the shopping bags the pair for shopping he thought they were fucking great so he bought the entire package just to get that. Really? And he checked out the band and he said to me, like, it's not his style. Like, he, you're a bit too heavy for him, but he liked your album, blah, blah, blah. But he also commented, he thought it was cool. Like, you know, you you took the effort and the time out of your day to sign all those. Because whether you think you got a shit autograph, and even if you don't give a shit about autographs, like I said, it just, it's that one little bit that shows that you're going to put the effort in that you give a shit about your fans as well. That's good you notice, especially because I have a t-shirt sized last name. <laughs> It sounds like you are a bit of a collector. Well, Do man. you collect other things besides band stuff? For instance, coins, stamps, dead bodies. I can't tell you much about the dead bodies. <laughs> I could get in the shit for that. Yeah, photos of Jesse. Once again, I might get in trouble for that, so we'll pretend that's not true. Um, You're in but, her house right now. Her top drawer is upstairs. I don't know how to respond to that, really. <laughs> <laughs> I, I collect... Uh, 
I wouldn't say so much I'm a collector with that shit, but I do... Do you have a big CD collection? Do you do vinyl? I've got a fairly big... Uh, yeah, I, I've got a st- I, I started on vinyl for a while, and then I lost my turntable, so I haven't really bought anything since then, except for a couple of things that I just kind of wanted for the sake of having them. I'm not as big a fan of, like, new vinyls, because sometimes I dig it, but, like, I like listening to older vinyl because, you know, that's what it sounded like when it first came out. New vinyl... Often you've got the technology to make it sound better, so I'll generally get the CD. But I might get the vinyl just out of like sentimentality or just because it's a cool collector's Artwork item. Artwork or something like that. Yeah, like um, there's a few local bands that, you know, they've offered a vinyl. I've just been like... We've thought about doing it, but man, the cost of that is so much. We couldn't, you know, we try and sell a lot of our stuff cheaply, but vinyl is something that would... It's too fucking expensive. We'd be charging 35, 40 bucks a vinyl. I don't think a lot of local bands do it because it's it's not as big a market anymore either. And the same goes, like if you did sell them, most people wouldn't buy them because they listen to vinyl. Most people would buy them because they want to just have that little bit of extra piece of memorabilia. And on that, the recordings back in the old days didn't have a hell of a lot of bass. So your James Browns, even though there's, we're talking Bootsy Collins, like funky ass fat bass players, <laughs> when they did get mastered, they could be thrown on vinyl because the format would handle it. But if you buy a Dying Fetus album on vinyl, what the guy's got to do is actually alter it from what you hear on the CD to drop the amount of bass off or else the needle will just skip straight out of the groove because it can't handle yeah, it. Yeah, so you're kind of... I mean, so you're not, getting an altered product. Yeah, you're not somewhat. lowering the quality, but I mean, that's what, that's what my argument is though. Like, my argument is that, like I said, with the, in this day and age, you're going to get a better quality from, you know, a CD or, a, in my opinion, uh, or an MP3. Like, you're just going to have that proper sound of what it's meant to sound like. You know, I've got, you know, No Jacket Required by Full Collins in my vinyl collection. I've got, like, Elton John's Greatest Hits, and they're fucking great albums. You know, uh, Bon Jovi's New Jersey. and But they were recorded on the vinyl, so they sound like they're meant to sound. And the remasters, yeah. when they remaster that shit, they do it so it's louder and it's bigger yeah, and it and sounds all that. different. And it sounds different. Yeah. But if you were to get like a new Bon Jovi album, I don't think you would. But what I'm saying is like, if you got their newer shit, like you're not gonna go and put it on vinyl because it just it would defeat the purpose, in my opinion. Yeah, fair enough. I think I've seen you rocking an iPod coming into a show, listening to MP3 and stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen yeah. that, and I'm just wondering. Do you actually buy digital or um, do you rip from CD, that kind of thing? I do both. I like to have CDs when I can just because... I'm, do you have I, a Discman? No. no. I haven't okay. had a Discman since I was 10. Okay, yeah. And I'm pretty so sure I was, that was I was probably 34 at that time. <laughs> but uh, I like having solid CDs. I like album artwork and, you know, you know the CDs can look kind of cool. Like uh, it was at Ale Tales where you had them like looking like beers and stuff on as the CD. Like they were kind of cool. And you get some cool, like Tool always put out fucking amazing album artwork. Like you'd go and buy the CD just to have a look at them. You know, that album artwork for 10,000 Days was incredible. Yeah, they hope you do because they spent a lot of money well, yeah. on putting but, glasses in but it. But yeah, you can't download that shit. And you'll still get the songs. And it is handy at times. Like uh, I've, I've downloaded and uh, bought certain albums. Like I got a shitload of Willie Nelson and Johnny Cash and stuff on my uh, iPod. Hell yeah. When we you covered. record your version oh, we of that, didn't I'll do it. Uh, yeah, put that yeah. up as well. But um, that, I don't care as much about the album, so I'm just going to probably download it. It just depends. And sometimes, you know, I also have stuff that's on my iPod because I downloaded it because I wanted to check them out. You know, so I downloaded it illegally, and then I checked them out, and I was like, these guys are fucking awesome. I'll go buy their shit. Yeah, cool. That's good to hear, though, because there is a huge misconception because once people do illegally download, they go, oh, shit, I've already done it now. They had the intent to buy it if it was good, but then they don't. It's nice to hear that people do. I think if you truly respect someone, you should give them the money. I mean, I, I mean, I had it with a... It's actually happened with you guys, with me, actually. I, was, I had a friend uh, 
and she I was I was trying to get her into like the local metal scene and if I ever do that to people you're one of the first um, albums I'll give them because I reckon you guys are great obviously so uh, I gave her gave her your album she was like she asked me she was like where can I download them I'm like you're not gonna download these and she's like but I want to download them and I'm like fuck it I'll just pay for them and I think you may have, like I just went and bought all your albums for her anyway because I was just like whether if she's not gonna pay for them I'd rather someone gave you guys the money for what you're working to do and the same as any can I ask you a question about that particular person. Is she one that came to the Rosemount once? She's really hot. No, that would have been uh, Steph. So I'm wondering who that is and what her phone number is. <laughs> <laughs> I think her boyfriend would kill me if, he, if I gave you a number. He doesn't like Damn. me already, so, uh, you know. <laughs> Maybe he'd be into Claim the Throne, man. Give him an album and... Yeah, I feel like it's not his style. Oh, I won't say anything too bad and just in case M&M he is, but... Uh, Still talking about local shows and stuff. What actually makes you go to a local show? I mean, do you see them advertised on Facebook? Do you see posters around the city? Do you get flyers as you leave gigs? I see it on Facebook a lot. Like, I get the... Uh, mostly, I get the old invite, uh, the Facebook invite. So, is that the best way for bands to tell people about their gigs? Or do you like getting flyers as you leave another gig? Do you get pissed off if people are trying to give you flyers? I like flyers because, to me, you can chat to the people doing it as well. Like, and, you know, sometimes be like, why have you got these people on? Not in a bad way, but, you know, like, you know, what made you want to play with these? or you know what's your style of what your gig going for like it's just kind of cool to chat to the people there are certain people you can't chat with because like i remember uh paul's a good version a good example of that like i love paul and he's great and he'll all be out there handing out flyers but for the most part by the time he's handing out flyers he's too high to have a conversation so uh, you just take your flyer and be like have a good night paul you know move on to slightly put you on the spot here if we were to give you a few ways could you rank them like a facebook invite flyer emailing list subscription and posters around town how would you sort of rank them in order of what you'd notice or where you look i'd probably put equal parts like uh of the the facebook and the flyers i don't really check my email that much like it's always updated on my phone and i'll generally get it you think like this person sent you an email sometimes i'll check it and some for the most part if you went to my hotmail account right now it's something like 300 and something unread emails because i just can't be fucked you're you obviously not cabot or ash who constantly check emails every five minutes i get mine updated and if it's something i give a shit about like so if i get something from your mailing list or from like the uh, soundworks mailing list i'll generally check it and i check like my daily catch emails because i like to get my american candy from them but uh, for the most part i'll get emails and be like yeah fuck it don't care you will use the email format but it's more on your own selective basis but i do love the posters as well because i think posters work a little bit more on like your subconscious more than anything like you'll be walking down the street and you just see out of the corner of your eye and be like oh shit that's coming up there's a few gigs i've been to because like uh i went to see tim ripper owens probably about a year or so ago and most people i know didn't even fucking know he was coming andrew rowcroft from uh chainsaw hookers he's a fan of that and i uh, like judith priest and stuff and i was like you gone like i didn't know that was happening and i only saw that because i was walking down the street and there was just a poster and i was like shit that's tomorrow I should get tickets. So a guy like you normally knows about when there are tours happening. Like, How would that, you know, are the promoters failing by... That was a shit, it was just shit-ass promotion that time. So should like, they be, you know, should there be gigs before them where they're handing out flyers? Or how the hell can someone, you know, like like yourself who's in the scene, how do you miss something like that? What's the promoter failing in in that point? It's hard to say. I think, like, I mean, Facebook's a pretty good tool like that. But you need to do more than, like... Some people I know that went to that gig saw it because there was a tiny little flyer when they used to do ads on the side of your facebook and that's all right but once again it's something you're going to see out of the corner eye and you're generally going to miss you know it probably popped up in my facebook news feed at least once but i didn't even see it because it's just this tiny little thing i think facebook's pretty big for that kind of stuff like if you can try like promoters if you can try and get people to like to add your promotion group like is a just like it and you can update that shit constantly so like i've got a probably got like 10 different 
promotion groups on my uh, Facebook just so I know what gigs are coming up. And especially with the bigger ones, the cool thing about that is you're not getting that one style. Like if I've got Soundworks on there, but for the most part, Soundworks is going to be metal and might be a bit of punk. Yeah. But if you got like, say, Metropolis touring and stuff, you're going to get all sorts of shit on there. You've got Three Inches of Blood coming, which is going to be a fucking amazing show. But then on top no of one that, knows about that either because they all know about Septic Flesh and Flesh God, but no one knows yeah, about Three Inches of Blood. that's going to be a good gig, but I'm definitely going to Three Inches of Blood first. <laughs> that shit's going to be amazing. But the same as like, then you get Public Enemy as well, like pop up and fucking I'd go see them. Yeah. At the very least, to go and laugh at Flavor Flav, you know, still trying to act like it's 20 <laughs> years old with a giant fucking clock. Sweet, man. All right. So uh, just on, on the tail end of this one, we'll probably move to uh, some Claim the Throne topics just to get a bit arrogant and talk about ourselves. Um, but do you have a, a personal favorite Claim the Throne album or release? Uh, that's a pretty good question. Like, I'm actually a huge fan of um, Triumph and Beyond, but uh, Ale Tales is a fucking great your little EP because the songs are just kind of, it, it's quick, fun, and uh, you know, it always gets you pumped. Yeah, it's hard to say. Like, I like them all for different reasons, but if I had to pick one, I'd probably stick to, to Ale Tales. Oh man. So does that mean, uh, I mean, the, the set list that we play these days, are you happy with the variety that we do or do you think we should stick to more older stuff or newer stuff or more of Ale Tales, more of the party songs or uh, uh, do you like the variety? I mean, the party songs are good for gigs, obviously. I mean, it's like I said, like I bet that you guys play the Two Pints of Honey, the, the metal version of it. <laughs> but of course, it's going to be more receptive to most of your crowd. If you play an acoustic, sure, I'll be jamming out like crazy and, you know, headbanging still. But a lot of your crowd would be like, yeah, whatever. But yeah. I do like the fact that you guys still do that. Like in the middle of gigs, you'll break down and at least play one or two different songs. Like you'll, you'll often still play The Lake. And I know because if you don't, you'll generally hear me yelling at you anyway. <laughs> so, you know, I think you've got to have a good mix of, you know, that real rise and that fall as well. Like the really heavy, fast stuff that's going to get you going crazy. And then that soft stuff that you can just kind of jam out too peacefully. Awesome. So what would you want to hear on the next album? If we were to record tomorrow, would you like to hear... Your you know, I mean, are, are you happy with the direction we're taking with Forged in Flame, or do you think I'm we actually, should... I um, thought it was a great album. Like, once again, it's it's the same as what I said about your uh, live show. It's got that real good mix. of You've got some great acoustic, soft, mellow stuff. You've got some amazing uh, just instrumental stuff, like Jesse's track at the end of it, I think it is. It's fucking incredible. But then you've got, like, stuff that's heavier and louder than you've ever done before, and at the same time, like, that's fucking great. What is it? Um, Probably Essence of a Scorched Essence Realm. Essence of a Scorched Realm. I'm assuming that's like Jim. <laughs> yeah. Really heavy on that one. Interesting you that's can hear that. That's what I was saying to, uh, I think it was you I was talking to when I first heard it. Like the cool thing I liked about uh, Forged in Flame is like you can kind of hear different people's influences. Like you're really, really folky stuff. You got to assume Cab has got a big word in that. You know, you really fucking heavy, grindy stuff. You've got, you're going to assume it's Dicey or Jim. Like you guys are, you know, you've got the same similar tastes obviously, but you've also got your differences as well and you can really hear how everyone's put their two cents in with two with forged and flame which i think is a really cool sound as well it wasn't even the idea but that's just what we noticed throughout the process we we thought we had eight songs for an album it ended up being 14 because everyone was springing especially jesse was springing songs on us at the end that we none of us had really even heard properly before and what what i would pose to you amos is if we were doing a short set five mm. songs yeah what would they be well the lake's got to be on there i fucking love that song <laughs> Yeah, what else? Or is that too hard? Should I say three songs? Go with three and see if we can go further. Mead and Weed's going to be on there. That's just, that's a fun song to, you know, whether you're going to headbang at the front or mosh around like crazy, like great song. These days, Zephyrus, I think is great for windmilling. So, you know, throw that one on there. It's got a perfect pace for windmilling. Uh, What else would you throw on there? I reckon if you would play it, you know, uh, Words of the Great Oak is fucking great. And, you know, if I got my dream set list, I'd probably throw in uh, you know, Hunting the Stars. 
I have not seen you guys play that yet, and I've been badgering you for like three years to play that. What would you reckon about us re-recording that first album if we had the time? I'd definitely buy it. I'd buy every fucking, you know, version of it you had. What if we did a Kickstarter campaign for it? Would you pledge? Hell yeah, I love Kickstarter. Like, I've, I've seen a few people bitch and whinge about it lately because they reckon it's bands just trying to Begging. money grab or some shit, which is it's a load of shit, especially in the industry we're in these days. You guys have got to fight a little bit harder for the money that you're working for. I mean, it's kind of like the same as if, if, I mean, I'm a bartender. I make drinks. I expect people to pay me for them, and I expect to get money for that. You know, I shouldn't, it shouldn't be called begging just because I say I want the money for that. You know, you guys want the money for the shit you're making. You don't want to pay someone else, you know, thousands of dollars to end up getting, you know, only like a you know a small percentage of that. And if you can... And, if, and and also, I think for the fan, it works out because if it's a good Kickstarter, it works out for the fan because you get cool little memorabilia and shit that you might not ever get again. You know, and it means it often means that the from what I've seen that the albums get done quicker as well. There's no kerfuffle in between. You know, you've got a reason to push to do it as well. You feel like it's essentially perhaps a pre-order with a couple of extra little ditties Pretty that much, you get yeah. thrown in there, and the bands get it out quicker. So exactly, you guys get thing. the amount of money you deserve. The bands get it out quicker. I got some cool shit. I mean, what's not to love about that? Sweet. And then, yeah, I guess just one day you get an album pop up in your mail with a shirt and some stuff and you're like, sweet, yeah. I forgot I even donated to that. Do you like our bedroom, Amos? I've not seen your bedroom yet. Oh. <laughs> I've been I told about your bedroom. bedroom. We're going to go and lie uh. on there later. Amos, it's been a fucking pleasure having you here, mate. Really appreciate it. Um, I mean, there's a lot of lot of bands that, you know, always say, you know, if it's not for the fans, then we wouldn't be where we are today and that sort of thing. You know, we'd still be still be exist if it wasn't for the fans. You know, we do it for ourselves and, and we love every second of it. It makes such a difference, especially at local shows when we walk out on stage and see a bunch of familiar faces in the crowd, you know, who are all, you know, lining up there at the front, keen to see what we have to play. And, and that just sparks our energy level straight away. And we're so happy about what we're doing. Um, um, because of that and then getting to see people like yourself at the merch stand afterwards just yeah really pulls on our heartstrings and brightens up our day so from uh, the bottom of our hearts from claim the throne thanks for all your help over the years and thanks so much for being part of the podcast that's right and um yeah we really hope to hear um, a lot more input from you in the future in the podge as well if there's anything you'd like to say in regards to what we're doing shit or what we're doing good now's your time have your input feel free and um, if you've got your mate Razi, if he wants to comment as well, you can let us know. <laughs> yeah, Reza. No, Reza was just a question. We were bored at work one day, and we were, uh, I, was, I was doing what I normally do, just surfing the net on my phone. I was on your blog, and we are just like, fuck it, while we're here, let's just get Reza to ask you a barely English question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like that all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's what that, how that one happened. I was really hoping was that really, would actually get hit with a, you know, dicey chick tips. Uh, would have been a perfect question for And this year it'll be a lot, a lot better in that regards we're going to have a lot of crazy stuff happening on this podcast but um if if i can just close this up by saying i mean if if there are you know well in in this instance local perth bands that want fans and they don't have any yet how do they get in touch with you to talk you into being their fan what should they do if everyone anyone really wants me as a fan feel free to find me on facebook and i'm more than happy to go to your gigs for free just saying i like beer you know i'm a bartender i like to drink so buddy me up you know, and I'll tell everyone you're amazing, even if you're shit house. Excellent answer. If we were to play a Climbing the Thorn song at the end of this podcast, it's all up to you to decide what song it is. So what would you vote for? I think you know the answer to this question. 
Cabot. I would guess with uh, two points, the acoustic version. Oh, no. I or was, the lake, the lake. I was going to push the lake, yeah. All right, sweet. Now, thanks again, man. Really appreciate it. If you guys out there see anyone walking around the city with a Clem Throne shirt on, chances are it is Amos Polglaze. So go up and say hi. Say, uh, if, it's, if it's not him, just say, are you Amos Polglaze, even if it's a girl? <laughs> see what they say, and you'll get a yes or no answer. If it's a yes, you should definitely take him into the closest toilet cubicle and suck him right off. Thanks again, Amos. Legend. Thank you for having me. It's got him. Yes. What a catch. What a catch. And what an interview. Thanks very much for that, Amos Polglaze. You bloody sick dick. That was really nice of you to chat to us about all those things and, and really be honest um, Yeah, with your opinions and yeah, helping us to understand what drives the fans to act the way they do. Agreed. Yes, yeah, so I hope you, all you uh, musicians out there did um, yeah, take take a bit away um, from what Amos had to say. We'll definitely be taking all that feedback on board and, and hopefully getting a lot more Amos pole glazers following us so that we understand our fans better and um, and hopefully build a bigger fan base and um, yeah, of more people like Amosi Poglazi. We'll be seeing him hopefully on the 7th of February for the Balacore show in Perth at Amplifier Bar with yours truly, Claim of Throne, also playing. And uh, so he'll be down there if you're there. Have a chat to him. He's a good fellow. And if you're in a band, maybe he'll check your fucking band out. Who knows? If you do have a question for him, of course, you can hit us up. Um, find our details, facebook.com slash Claim the Throne or email at info at Claim the Throne.com. If you want to speak to Amos directly, if you're a hot girl and think that Amos's accent is really sexy, then just head to the Claim the Throne Facebook and he pretty much comments on every single status that we've ever posted. So you'll find his page quite easily there. And like Ash said, definitely hash him at the upcoming show, which is in Perth on February 7th with Balacor, Us, Earthrot and Natron, which at this stage we should be finished the tour by now. We are scheduling this in advance, so hopefully it works pretty good. And um, yeah, hopefully the tour has been a success and hopefully you guys have enjoyed um, yeah, hearing you know how we've been going about it and hopefully you've learned a thing or two. And yeah, really looking forward to this awesome last show. Um, and speaking of upcoming things, uh, our next podge will actually be finally a normal podge um, where Cuba and Ish will go through a couple of things. Um, so check out next Monday. We're going to be wrapping up the tour that has just been and hopefully have plenty of tips from Dyson, Jesse, Jim, and of course Cuba and Ish themselves on tour life, drinking, uh, being stingy with money, uh, Stealing trolleys at airports. Yep, trolley management and all <laughs> sorts of other things. So, yeah. And we also have some other interviews lined up for later in the month and, of course, the rest of the year. So, yeah, stay tuned for more Sick Dicks on the Podge. If you think you've got a bit to contribute to the show, feel free to hit us up and let us know you'd be keen on an interview. And I'm sure um, we'd also be very happy to do that. Um, also, if you're in a business and you want us to advertise you on this podge or on our page at claimthethrone.net, just say hello and we can chat about that and also happy to promote any bands, news or gigs. So yeah, just say hi. And Amos Polglaze did give us his recommendation for a song. I am Amos Polglaze and I read their bludge. Dodge. Bludge, 
fields so green I lay. As the winds passes, I sleep away. So lonely out here, I cannot bear. Whoa, how I long to feel her hair. As she blows, blow now the breezes is coming. My soul deep into the night I bid farewell to the air For it's cold out there I will take my mind back to my body Lay!